More bad news for old Joe. Republicans question Joe's competence, finally. And uh, what the hell is wrong with San Francisco? This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So, if you're looking for my podcast yesterday on YouTube, good luck. They took it down. Apparently, medical misinformation. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the medical misinformation is. I went in and I peeled it. Uh, I, I probably should just not even bother putting the podcast on that channel and just put it on Rumble. But, um, yeah, I, I got nailed and, and they shut it down. Just gave me a warning. Didn't give me a strike. I'm not suspended or anything. But next time I will be. I'm sure. I am sure I'm going to get suspended eventually because there's just no possible way that I, I can talk and not say something they don't like. So let's, but you know, hey, whatever. That's why I have a, a actual podcast platform. So let's get to the news. All right. According to Fox News, inflation surged more than expected in January, notching another four-decade high since 1982, I believe it is, as strong consumer demand and pandemic-related supply chain snarls fueled rapid price gains that wiped out the benefits of rising wages for most Americans. The Consumer Price Index rose 7.5% in January from a year ago, according to a new Labor Department report released Thursday, marking the fastest increase since February 1982, wow, when inflation hit 7.6%. The CPI, which measures a bevy of goods ranging from gasoline and health care to groceries and rents, jumped 0.6% in the one-month period. That's a lot. 0.6%. We've been averaging 0.5% increase per month. So this is this is not good. Uh, President Biden hasn't said anything about it today. He's probably not going to say much about it. And I'm sure that it's all those ruthless corporations that are making massive profits. It's their fault. They're tarring the uh, American public. I mean, he said that a bunch of times. I find it, what I do find funny, though, is that um, I'm reading a book about basic economics by Thomas Sowell, and a very thick book, a very dry, but very informative. And one of the things he said was that these companies, yeah, trying to raise profits beyond what the market will bear is actually not a good thing that a lot of companies don't even gouge uh, because they'll end up, a lot of people end up not buying what they have or not buying as much as what of what they have. So when someone sits there and says, oh, well, um, it's the meat companies that are gouging or it's, no, that doesn't make any economic sense. But let's face it, Joe Biden doesn't know much about economics. Um, so I, I can't wait to hear how he's going to spin this. Uh, he also got some bad news from Real Clear Politics and CNN. Both ran polls. He is looking at a deficit of 40% approve and 56% or 58% disapprove of the job he's doing in office. That is the CNN statistics. That's bad. That's really bad. 
So he is falling, and it's not just that his approval is going down, it's his dis- the disapproval is going way up. And that's that's pretty scary for him. Real Clear Politics had it worse for him. He's down to 39, 57, 58. I can't remember what it is exactly. So his approval ratings are just in the toilet. And Democrats are getting nervous about it. Right now, there are a total of 29 Democrats that are either retiring from Congress or running for another office. That's a lot. So the rats are jumping from the ship. Okay, so... Almost on a daily basis, Joe Biden shows that he's not with us. Uh, He stumbles through sentences, sometimes not even getting through a sentence. Even when they're handwritten down for him, he rambles. He doesn't answer questions. And when he does, it's only from reporters that he specifically points, that he's specifically told to point to. He gets angry very quickly. Half the time, he doesn't even know who he's standing with. It's getting really, really bad. It's getting really, really obvious, too. According to Fox News, nearly 40 Republican lawmakers are calling on President Biden, 79, to take a cognitive test following the example set by his predecessor, former President Trump. The Republican push for Biden to undergo a cognitive testing comes as recent polls have shown Americans are unsure of the president's mental fitness for office. Former physician to uh, the president, Representative Ronnie Jackson, Republican of Texas, led led a letter with 37 of his GOP colleagues to Biden on Tuesday expressing their concern with Biden's current cognitive state. They point out that Biden is required to take a physical... I want to point out that Biden is required to take a physical every year, and that's made public, but a cognitive test is not required. Now, I personally think that everyone who is in the job, no matter their age, should have a cognitive test and a psychological test. I really think it's kind of important to see who these people really are. One should definitely have to test, take a test when you're knocking on the door of 80 years old. So, especially the way he is, the way he's acting. Now, some have said that he probably did take a cognitive test in his last physical, but the results weren't. Uh, released, but we don't know any of that, so we need to find out if that test was actually taken. Now, one thing I want to be very clear about, uh, I don't make fun of this. I, I think this is, I think Joe Biden has signs of senility. I had family members who had, I had a family member who had Alzheimer's disease, and Joe Biden is showing those signs. It's a terrible disease. It's nothing to make a joke about, but this guy is, I mean, it's happened before. This should be a bipartisan issue. Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's, and it appears that he had Alzheimer's while he was president. And probably President Reagan, who I love, probably shouldn't have been president at that point. We should require cognitive tests after, we should require, have required a cognitive test after Reagan was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I mean, this, this, these guys have the nuclear codes. These guys are leaders of the free world. They're working with different countries. They're, work, they're negotiating with our enemies. It's kind, of an important, it's kind of an important job. And you don't need someone that's not playing with, with both oars in the water. But as usual, nothing will be done. I'm sure this will be ignored. 
like it usually is. Every time someone asks, I mean, it's been a year now, and people have been asking for him to take a cognitive test for over a year, and he's never done it. We'll find out how incompetent he was when he leaves the White House. And, and, and this whole thing, this whole mental thing, it'll be just a Wikipedia side note. It's not going to be something that people are going to remember. Even though, because we forgot all about it with Reagan. But I don't understand how we have it. I mean, this is enough, honestly, for a, a constitutional amendment. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be hurt if they made a constitutional amendment requiring this kind of stuff. Okay, and just a, gosh, the bad ideas, bad ideas, always bad ideas. So according to the Washington Free Beacon, the Biden administration is set to fund the distribution of crack pipes to drug addicts as part of its plan to advance racial equity. The $30 million grant program, which closed applications Monday and will begin in May, will provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to help make drug use safer for addicts. Included in the grant, which is overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services, are funds for smoking kits, supplies. A spokesman for the agency told the Washington Free Beacon that these kits will provide pipes for users to smoke crack cocaine, crystal meth, and any illicit substance. That's right. So our government is spending taxpayer money um, to hand out drug paraphernalia. You know, no one wants to fix the drug problem that is leading... No one seems to want to fix this drug plea, uh, problem that's leading to homelessness, mental health problems, crime, and death. San Francisco has deaths because of methamphetamine almost daily. And heroin, almost on a daily basis. It's really sad that not only this is uh, this is something out of Brave New World that this this need by Democrats to to legalize every drug on the books. The article continues. HHS said the kits aim to reduce the risk of infection when smoking substances with glass pipes, which lead to infections through cuts and sores. Applicants for the grants are prioritized if they treat a majority of underserved <laughs> underserved communities, including African American and LGBTQ plus persons. As established under President Joe Biden's executive order on advanced racial equity. This is, by the way, the very definition of bigotry and low expe- bigotry of low expectations. All those blacks and transsexuals they need their free crack pipes so they can keep so they won't get blisters on their lips when they smoke their crack or their meth this is about as racist and bigoted as it gets they're basically saying well the black community we know they already smoke all smoke crack so we'll just send it to them the article continues funding for the harm reduction uh grant program is provided through Democrats' American Rescue Plan, which the Senate passed along party lines after Vice President Kamala Harris cast a tie-breaking vote. Other equipment that qualifies for funding includes syringes, gotta get that heroin in there, vaccinations, of course, disease screenings, condoms, and fentanyl strips, just in case you need, you don't, you run out of, uh, I guess fentanyl strips are strips of fentanyl you can take and get high. 
The grant program will last three years and includes 25 awards up to $400,000. Throughout the year, uh, we've been hearing from Democrats that Republicans hate American citizens because not one Republican voted for that America Rescue, American Rescue Plan. Could this be one of the reasons Republicans didn't vote for the American Rescue Plan? I mean, outside the fact that it spent almost $2 trillion and everyone knew this was going to cause an inflation problem. But not one Republican voted for it. It's crap like this that we find out about. You know, in a thousand-page plan. Maybe, maybe we should shorten these plans up a little bit so we know exactly what's in them. And maybe people understand. And now you're beginning to hear it on the news. They're talking about it. Now, to be straightforward, I believe the government has dismantled this program. I don't know if it's actually going to be running. I So there, there are a lot of news agencies reporting that, yes, it was going to happen, but it's not anymore. I, I don't know if that's the case yet, but it doesn't matter. The fact that that was even in the bill is, is just disgusting. Now, when it comes to drug legalization, I, I hold very conservative views, and I've had drug problems affect my life a little bit. So I'm very much against drugs. Now, that doesn't mean I'm against, let's say, uh, legalization for medical purposes. For example, I do know people who use marijuana for a medical treatment, and I know they, what they do. I know why they use it. I, I'm all for that. And even drugs like pot, I'm not necessarily against legalizing it, but the harder, but I'm still on the fence with it because pot still is a, still is a, um, a, a gateway drug and pot, to be honest with you, I just don't see the benefit for it. I don't see the reason for it. So I have basically two reasons why I'm not for legalization of drugs. And I've talked about this before. First, casual drug users use serves no societal purpose whatsoever. We have learned this with cigarettes. We've learned this with alcohol. And we've tried to ban both of those because of the detrimental effects they had on society. Remember, we had the 18th Amendment, which banned alcohol. We even had an amendment in the Constitution. Uh, it didn't work. The amendment didn't work, though alcohol did, alcohol use did go way down, but it op also opened a black market for it. And we ended up making it legal. Why? Because alcohol was ingrained in our society at the time. Just like we can't ban cigarettes. Why can't we ban... By the way, I think it's ironic that the people who want to ban cigarettes and ban alcohol are the same people who want to legalize drugs, cocaine, heroin. I, I, I don't get that. Well, I kind of do, and I think I've talked about it before. But the, the problem is when we have drugs ingrained in our society, they're very hard to get rid of, and they do do harm. Look at Colorado. Look at Denver. They legalized drugs. They, they, they went up. Homelessness went up up there about 20%, and Denver sucks. It's freaking cold in the winter. Crack, meth, heroin have already become ingrained in our society. We don't need to legalize them. We need to, to get rid of them. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco have huge problems with drugs. And drugs such as meth, heroin, cocaine, crack, um, 
they're practically legal in California. People sell it in the street, right in front of cops. Cops won't arrest them. People use it right in the street. They actually inject their crap right in the street, and then they just throw the needles on the floor. How is this beneficial societal for the society? And then homelessness, like I mentioned, homelessness. We're going to get to homelessness in a in our third story. There's just no benefit for any of these drugs unless it's prescribed for some sort of health condition. Now, I'm not saying Schedule One Schedule One drugs should be totally banned if there is a, a need, medicinal need. I'm not saying that. I'm saying things like heroin. I got news for you. If you're shooting heroin. You're not doing doing it casually. Heroin, meth, crack, those are instant addictive drugs. They'll tell you that. That once you take that, that's it. You're done. You're going to be stuck on it. And that brings me to the second point. There's no personal responsibility in this country for one's bad decisions. In fact, the government feels there should be no consequences for being on drugs. And no consequences for someone's personal bad personal decisions. In the old days, addictions was dangerous because there was no societal safety net. If you got drunk, you were drunk all the time, you'd end up in jail. You'd end up homeless if you didn't get a job. There was no bailout by the government. He or she needed to work to live and to find themselves in a shelter or they'd find themselves in a shelter or on the street. That's not the case anymore. City and state budgets use taxpayer money and are built around addicts, built around the homeless. Drug use today has become a drag on society and it's not even being seen as a bad thing by the government anymore. All this stuff that's happening in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. can be fixed. I've talked about the fixing of it in a previous podcast, how we can fix it need to bring back that uh, uh, sanitarium uh, sanitarium system I do not believe I do not believe that war on drugs worked I totally understand that argument but then we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting a different result it's not helping it's not all oh, we throw all drug people in prison or we just all oh, let them sit on the streets I mean these are two polar opposite solutions we can come with a middle solution here. I have a lot more to say in the subject. Maybe I'll, I'll bring it up again in a uh, future podcast, but because there's there's a lot to say about it. It's very it's a very personal and the friends who listen to this podcast know I'm very I've got a very personal um, stake in this. But a lot of my friends don't agree with me. They flat out don't agree with me. But, and that's fine. I don't care. I'm actually going to read a book about drug legalization and the arguments for drug legalization. But when it comes to heroin, it comes to meth, it comes to crack, it comes to um, fentanyl, I, I don't know. I, I just have a real problem with going out and trying to legalize those drugs. Speaking of drug addiction, mental illness, and homelessness, San Francisco seems to be throwing up their hands and giving up on their massive homeless pro homelessness problem. Uh, according to the Mercury News, as the Bay Area continues to struggle under the weight of its own homelessness crisis, officials and nonprofits are asking local residents to do more 
than hand out meals or donate spare change. They're asking them to open up their homes. Yeah, that's always a good idea. Nearly 30,000 people are unhoused in the five-county Bay Area, and there isn't nearly enough room in the region existing affordable housing developments. To fill the gaps, service providers increasingly are recruiting private landlords to take in homeless tenants. Some property owners are renting out entire units in exchange for agreements that the government or a nonprofit will cover the rent. Others are offering up spare bedrooms in their homes, sometimes in exchange for a stipend, and sometimes as purely charitable act, as a purely charitable act. I doubt that. I think that's probably exaggerated. But it's hard to find landowners willing to take a chance on someone down on their luck. At least one program recently ended because of the lack of landlord interest. Okay, a couple of things here. First off, 30,000 people in, a, uh, in the Bay Area. Out of the 3 million people that live there, that's a lot. That's over 1% of your population is made up of homelessness. And I think 30,000 people, probably a little low. I think it's probably a little higher than that. Don't forget, Los Angeles has 60,000 homeless people. The article, of course, takes, uh, not a shock from the Mercury Times, the article takes on a left-wing edge where it uses a woman who has a kid and is homeless because she lost her job. Yeah, that's not most of the homeless people out there. I think it's great that someone's housing this woman. I think I, the woman is running on hard times, and the government should help her get housed and get until she can get on her feet. But again, that's not the typical homelessness case. Homeless case. That's not... There's a book uh, called San Francisco, San Francisco, by Michael Schellenberger, that explains the failure of government and these uh, private industries that are made to house people, and he talks about it specifically in San Francisco. Now, before we get crazy here, Schellenberger is not a conservative. He's a liberal. He used to work with the city, with one of these private firms that dealt with homelessness. And he trying to get people put into homeless shelters. And most of the people in his book that he's interviewing, people he now doesn't agree with, are people he used to work for. So he's got some really salient points in this book. First off, it is not a right to be homeless. And that's because it steps on the rights of others for to live in a live in a safe environment. He does not believe you have the right to be homeless. People can't just be giving given housing. People have to earn it. One of the problems San Francisco runs into is specifically I'm targeting San Francisco because they have the largest homeless population in the Bay Area and because it was the topic of this book. The big problem is People didn't have to do anything to get into a shelter or get housing, get cheap housing. If they're drug addicted, they should stay sober. They don't have to in San Francisco. If they're mentally impaired, they should have to go to treatment and use the medication they're prescribed. They don't have to do that in San Francisco. If they're out of work, they should be looking for a job. That's the other thing. Housing should be temporary, not permanent. A lot of people treat this housing as something permanent. They're, not, they're never going to move out. 
And San Francisco seems okay with that. And the big and another big problem is property values in the Bay Area. It's way too high. I mean, a, a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco can run you about $3,000 a month. That's insanely high. And the reason prices are so high there, and, and landlords complain about this. Property developers complain about this. Rent control is in San Francisco, so the state dictates what you can charge for rent and how much you can raise it. There's a ton of regulations. That's because in San Francisco and a lot in California, Santa Monica used to do this. There are regulations that basically make it that without being able to collect any money, you have to keep up that apartment building. You have to do everything. If there's a crack in the sidewalk, you need to repair it. And there's someone going to be over there. He's going to look at all this from the state, which I think is wrong, to look at the apartment building and tell you what needs to be fixed or just fine you. People who will own these lands don't want to build rental property, and they're not. It's just too much of a hassle. They don't make a profit. That is one of the reasons why some landowners go out there and build rental properties to be able to make a profit. Well, it's impossible with the regulations and the, the rent control that's in San Francisco. Finally, and this is what the bigger this is the bigger point, and he, he made this very clear. There are a lot of homeless people that want to be homeless. They don't want the housing. They don't want the responsibility. They want to live in the street. And the reason they want to live in the street, especially if they're drug addicted, is because they want access to the drugs. And if they live on the street, they have direct access to the drugs. In San Francisco, they've got outdoor drug dens where people just walk up to a drug dealer and they get their drugs. The mentally ill, the problem with the mentally ill is they don't know any better half the time. They, they are out on the streets because they don't know about housing. They don't care about housing. And then a lot of them, in order to um, quell the pain that they're going through mentally, they use drugs too. And of course, we can't forget that drugs create mental illness. That's been proven. That's another reason why I'm not against, I'm not for drug legalization. The Bay Area has been dealing with this stuff for decades. This isn't like this, this homeless problem is not like it just came. It's been like that for decades. If you've ever driven through Berkeley, there is nothing but homeless people, old hippies sitting out there smoking their weed, playing their guitars. Now we have the defund police movement. We have legalizing crime. The homeless population is now going into the areas of the elites. They're now sleeping on uh, a lot of these actors' doorsteps now, and the police can't do anything about it. It's getting attention because it's finally beginning to affect the people that actually report this stuff and let you in on what's going on. The big elites, the rich elites. So here's the thing. They've done nothing in the decades that this has been happening. Everything they've tried to do has not worked. Maybe it's time to, I don't know, try something else instead of continually giving people free housing. And we're not talking low-income housing. We're talking free housing. It's not working. Okay. 
so tomorrow we've got the stupid stupid news stories of the week, and there are a few of them. Uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Hopefully this one doesn't get banned from YouTube and I get a strike, which equals a suspension, which would really suck. Have a great day. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Politics.